Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. We're officially in high summer now. This can be more or less apparent depending on where you happen to be. In San Diego, we get some nasty heat spells just like everyone else in the West this year, but Rick and I live within a mile or so of the coast, so things stay blessedly less toaster ovenish than the rest of the country. Hallelujah. But we're not completely out of the frying pan in the Bowman universe, as we've been traveling to Texas quite a bit this year on our Longhorn Adventure, aka the Moss Vacas Tour 2021. I think we're on part four this month. Part five? Part 27? In any case, if there's a stretch of the country that's known for its heat, it's the I-10 corridor, and we've hit that route a few times so far. West Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and then hell, in order of increasing temperature. But wait, the far south is not the only place where we've had to break out the cold packs. We went to Nebraska in June, and at 104 degrees, that was probably the place that clocked in somewhere between Arizona and hell. On the heat scale, of course. At this point, it's only fair to say that it's not just the effects of the sun. As I've mentioned before, when you hit your 50s, heat becomes an entirely different level of life complexity. After that sentence, the men in the audience are probably mentally saying, okay, fine. The women are saying, you need a few more adjectives and some exclamation points in there to fully capture the true meaning of what you just said. Unless you're a man who lives with a woman in their 50s, at which time he's probably mentioning the adjectives and exclamation points too. In any case, my internal thermostat is somewhere between out of kilter and hyperdrive, so every little source of anything makes me hot. The computer screen is like a warming brick. Coffee has to have ice in it now, even at 6 a.m. And even though Rick and I are a couple that usually sleeps wrapped up around each other, he now has to stay on the other side of the bed all night, or the next eight hours will involve pushing, kicking, tossing covers, and occasional dashes to the freezer for cold packs. So, life is already interesting with that little internal combustion issue, and when we're traveling so much to so many hot locations, it gets interestinger. Okay, so that's not a word, but it should be, don't you think? Packing for a trip to Texas becomes an exercise in both covering up against the sun and getting off as many clothes as I can. You would think that a dash over to REI would solve my problem in an hour, right? There are some great clothing manufacturers that make things that pack beautifully. They move well and they cover your skin, yet feel light and breezy. Columbia, Patagonia, Prana, Cool, Ex Officio, Marmot. REI's own brand is pretty spiffy too, but... A trip or 12 to REI did not immediately solve my cover but not cover problem, and that's really only because of my other problem. I have a chronic fabric tolerance issue. Pretty sure it started at birth, as I'm not a person that has ever done well with artificial materials next to my skin. Doesn't matter if it's a shirt, or pants, or socks, or sweaters, or sheets, or blankets. 
When I touch almost every non-natural fabric out there, my skin starts to crawl. I feel like I need to wipe off the imaginary pollutant on my hands. If I go so far as to try on a piece of clothing that looks like it might be okay, I'll know if I can stand it or not because within 10 seconds I'll start to sweat. I don't know why, but there you are. The same issue does not exist in my hubby, so all of those great plastic travel clothes that don't wrinkle and pack into two and a half inches of duffel space abound in his side of the closet. Trying to enjoy a hug while avoiding his clothing is an adventure sometimes. But the vibe also works the other way as well for me. When I feel a natural fiber, I feel an immediate sense of comfort and relaxation. Like a soothing spa moment, standing there in the middle of the bedding or the clothing aisle. Sometimes Rick will have to tell me to stop fondling the textiles in public, I have to admit. Linen, wool, cashmere. And then there's my absolute favorite fiber of all time. Cotton. You would think that being naked would actually feel more comfortable than having fabric next to you, but I don't think so. Cotton is the fabric that makes me feel more comfortable in my skin than almost anything on the planet. I don't know if it's a mental thing or a physiological thing or what, but good cotton is like a drug for some of us. Any of you who have inherited a set of sheets from your grandmother knows what I mean. Those old school percale sheets are not to be matched. There is nothing that sleeps cooler than that. And think of an old flannel shirt, soft as it can be. Or your longest running pair of blue jeans, washed so many times it's approaching threadbare, but almost more comfortable than a pair of sweatpants. And of course, the all-time great, the broken-in cotton t-shirt. Basic cotton tees even come in dressier styles. Eddie Bauer makes one that I found way back in 1998, and I ordered about 12 different ones in different colors. Those are finally starting to wear a little, so I'm going to have to do my once-each-quarter-century order here soon. Cotton is more than just a fiber that brings me bliss, and its planetary impact is huge. In October of last year, the Environmental Justice Foundation put out an article on the impact of clothing manufacturing on the planet, entitled Clothes and Climate. Is cotton best? According to the article, the textile industry annually puts between 1.22 and 2.93 billion tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. If you count the lifetime impact of textiles, including laundering, it accounts for 6.7% of all global greenhouse gas emissions, and the production of textiles has almost tripled since 1975. With that in mind, you can see how this industry has a huge impact on the increasing warming trend of our little ball of rock, even outside of Texas. You would think that with a big push towards sustainability now, things would be going in a more positive direction, but that's not the case. Because the EJF said that the quantity of polyester in our garments has doubled since the year 2000, meaning that now over half of all global fiber production is made from petroleum oil, 20 to 35% of all microplastics in the marine environment. They go on to say that cotton is an obvious natural option, but it's no longer cultivated naturally, so it can be a problem too. 74% of all cotton is now genetically modified and farmed using industrial quantities of pesticides and fertilizers. 
This crop uses 2.3% of the world's arable land, but uses over 16% of global insecticides. 8.2 million tons of pesticides and fertilizers. Ouch. But cultivation makes a difference. How you farm it can be night and day in terms of water consumption, warming potential, and inputs in general. And farming organically, for example, can also make the soil healthier too, so it's more resilient to drought through increased water and nutrient retention. I had never heard about World Cotton Day before this podcast episode, but it's celebrated around the world at different times depending on the region. The World Trade Organization states that this crop is a global commodity grown in over 75 countries across five continents. This humble little cotton plant has global importance to a huge number of people as an economic commodity and as a clothing staple. According to the International Cotton Advisory Committee, it's the only agricultural commodity that is biodegradable and provides both fiber and food for humans and livestock. It thrives in hot, arid regions and can be grown in some of the least developed countries in the world to help alleviate poverty. Today, we have a podcast on cotton, but also about a company and a concept. Joining us today is Natalie of Harvest and Mill Organic Clothing, grown and milled right here in the U.S. We put a link in our intro for you to follow. If you go to their site, you can get a teeny bit of an idea as to what it might have been like to touch that gorgeous material. In listening today, I hope it stirs you to think a little about a textile that seems so basic, is so intimately connected to our bodies, but also so taken for granted by all of us. We met up with Harvest and Mill Organic Clothing at the Heirloom Expo in Santa Rosa, California. The festival is usually held in September, but this year, due to the pandemic, it will unfortunately be postponed until 2022. We will miss this wonderfully quirky event, so we thought we'd bring you a little snippet from our 2019 adventure. World Cotton Day is celebrated on the 7th of October in the U.S. That said... The Bowmans are going back to Texas again next week, so, in this household, we celebrate this wonderful little plant all summer long. Well, Mrs. Bowman does. And Mr. Bowman does too, even if it's mostly by proxy. We're at the Heirloom Expo here in Santa Rosa in September 2019. If you would introduce yourself, please. My name is Natalie. I work with Harvest and Mill Organic Clothing. We're an organic clothing company. We use 100% organic cotton. All the cotton is grown in the United States. We have it completely milled in the United States and then sew everything locally in Oakland, San Francisco, and Berkeley. We focus on undyed cotton. So the clothing process can be highly toxic. When fabric is finished, there are all sorts of chemicals put on the finished fabric. There can be formaldehyde. There can be all kinds of heavy metals. Unlike food, clothing does not have rigorous labeling laws. Yeah, right. I don't really think about it. Yeah, Yeah. so when you buy food, there has to be all the ingredients listed. When you buy clothing, it's very minimal. So what we have here is 100% organic cotton. We have undyed white cotton. This is the natural color of white cotton, so it's undyed and unbleached. It's a bit creamier than a bleached cotton. 
but this is the natural color of white cotton. This here is an heirloom variety of brown cotton. Oh, how cool is that? So cotton, like our food crops, has been largely bred for commercial purposes. So you mostly see white cotton, and that's because in, in commercial clothing making, white cotton is the easiest to dye. However, the dyeing process is super toxic. So these older heirloom varieties of cotton are really valuable because you don't have to dye them. So the ones that we're seeing that are the brown sweats here and the brown shirts, that's just the natural color that comes from that cotton? Zero dyes on these. That's beautiful. I mean, that's a gorgeous color. And zero dyes on this. This is a green cotton. So this is about, this is the color of the cotton there. Yeah, I was fondling the socks because I'm a sock girl. Boy, does that feel good. <laughs> it really does. They're super comfy. They are. They do feel really, really nice. Because that's next to your skin the whole time. You think about it. You don't, I, I, it has to feel good or I start to break out into hives. And natural fabrics are really important. But I'm assuming that natural fabrics that haven't been treated are just that much more pure feeling on your skin. Exactly. Those finishing chemicals are a big deal. And we as consumers are just starting to wake up to that fact. The fashion industry and the food industry are actually very deeply connected. Our food and fiber come from the same systems, but the fashion industry is easily 20 years behind the food industry. So people are starting to wake up to it now, um, but we still have a lot of work to do in terms of consumer awareness. So what, as what you were saying, the skin is the largest organ on our body. We readily absorb chemicals through our skin. So it's really important the textiles we have next to our skin and we have textiles next to our skin almost 24 hours a day sheets towels clothing underwear it's really important to keep that as clean as possible so it's kind of one of my main goals in life is to go back to those sheets you know the sheets that your grandmother had and that they just feel differently they're kind of a little stiffer a little uh, I think it's a different weave that goes into some of those, but I kind of wonder if we go back to the old feeling fabrics, if it wouldn't just be a nicer thing altogether for our skin if you just feel more basic somehow. Sure. If you yeah. think about it, 50 years ago before the petrochemical, or more like 70 years ago before the petrochemical revolution, clothing was way less treated. You know, the, the cotton itself was much cleaner. There wasn't any polyester in there. Nowadays, you get clothing, there's a lot of plastic on our clothing. It's in the polyester thread in the actual fabric. It's in the polyester thread that, sew, that sews the clothing together. Um, and then there's petrochemicals on the actual dyes. A lot of commercial dyes are made with oil-based chemicals. And we're wearing that next to our skin. Um, you know, wearing polyester can be really detrimental both to our health and to the health of the planet. It make, break, makes me break out in hives. I, I just hard time with the whole concept in general. It just feels completely foreign. For sure. And the other thing is there's a, a second time we can interact with our fabric. Um, so when we wash our fabric, when we wash our clothing, little bits of those chemicals from the dyes and also from the polyester microplastics, they wash out of the wash and they go into our local water supply. So there's been found to be about 72 toxic chemicals that are banned in the USA and in the EU that we're finding in our water supply. Greenpeace recently did um, a big report about this, they call it Dirty Laundry, where they're, they're finding these chemicals that are banned here, but what we're doing is importing these chemicals from 
Asia, where a lot of garments are sewn and dyed, we're bringing them here, we're washing our clothing, and we're getting it into our water supply, then we're drinking it, and we're eating it. Interesting, so it's one way or another, yeah. It's the microplastics, it's the chemicals from finishing, and that, the agricultural chemicals. So, okay, now I'm looking at this one here, this kind of almost yellow shirt. What, how did they get that color? This is dyed with clay. So clay dyeing and mud dyeing, dirt dyeing it's also called, has been done around the world uh, for as long as we know. Um, there's you know, a famous red shirt from Hawaii. You can get mud cloths from the continent of Africa. There's a really ancient dyeing technique. So this shirt right here is dyed with nothing but earth from California. This artist, her name is Rosa Novak, she's a local ceramicist based in Oakland, and she works with local clays. So she collects this clay from an eroded hillside down by Half Moon Bay, and she just soaks the shirts in the clay for a couple days. And because there's some metals and iron in the dirt, it acts as a mordant and makes this color fast. In, when I was younger, all the surfer guys would wear these t-shirts and they would get a little bit beat up in the sun. They'd be good cotton, but it's that beautiful, beautiful, I've worn this 42,000 times and washed it. It started out as good cotton, but it's this beautiful, just a soft shade of beat up old t-shirt and it looked like the most comfortable thing on the planet. This is obviously not a beat up thing, but that color is just such a soft, 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 tan yellow it's a beautiful it has that same look to it. it it's just been in the sun and loved and that's beautiful people are so attracted to natural color yes. our eyes are very accustomed to seeing uh, fabricated colors but this is a, a hundred percent natural color and people are so drawn to it yeah, they really love it gorgeous Okay, so you do different shirts and socks and t-shirts. We and do pants. We do lounge pants. Super comfy, 100% organic cotton pants. Fantastic. Um, we do socks. Baby onesies and... Yeah, kiddo stuff. We do a variety of things. Wonderful. And bags and all kinds of things. So if somebody wants to find this company, where do they go? They go to harvestandmill.com. There or check us out on Instagram, handle Harvest and Mill, or Facebook. Wonderful, great. Well, thank you so much. Thank we you. We appreciate you speaking with us. Thank you. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. Thanks again for listening. We love to bring you this podcast every week. We visit places all across the country and even a few places outside the U.S. We'd love to keep doing this as long as we can, but holy cow, gas is expensive. So we've started up a Patreon account. If you'd like to help be a part of the stories you hear, we'd love your support, feedback, and suggestions. If you'd like to make that financial support, please follow the Patreon links in our podcast intro for more information. Every little bit is another mile we can put on the road to bring you the conversations we hope you enjoy. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
We would like to thank Natalie from Harvest and Mill for joining us this week. If you'd like to find out more information, please visit harvestandmill.com, theheirloomexpo.com, and worldcottonday.com. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2021.